When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2502 today. The second half of my conversation with Amy Ratcliffe, the author of, among other things, The Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Punch it. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So, once again, the deal with Amy Ratcliffe. She is the managing editor of Nerdist. She is the author of Star Wars Women of the Galaxy and The Jedi Mind. A contributor to From a Certain Point of View, The Empire Strikes Back. She's a host at Star Wars Celebration as well as a regular contributor to StarWars.com and Star Wars Insider. You can catch up with her online on Twitter and Instagram. She is at Amy underscore Geek. And on her Substack, that's amyratcliffe.substack.com. You can also subscribe to her weekly or so newsletter as well, which is definitely a fun read. And in this half of the conversation, we're going to talk about the story of Galaxy's Edge and how that becomes a part of the book. We're also going to talk about what people experiencing the book might take away from it, whether you have actually been to Galaxy's Edge or whether you have never been to Galaxy's Edge, and a lot more. But <laughs> I'll just... Leave it at that for the moment. Let's just jump right into the second half of my conversation with Amy Ratcliffe, author of The Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Looking at your writing for the book, um, did you have any particular parameters that you were given? I mean, I know, you know, for example, with certain kinds of books that are produced, uh, there are, say, character limits given or word limits given to uh, the writers working within different layouts and that sort of thing. Uh, were you given those kind of parameters or just how did it work for you when you approached the actual writing of the book? You know, you kind of have a general idea in mind and my editor based that like kind of one past Star Wars books because, of course, he's worked on all of them with the art of books with Phil and the art of books written by two other gentlemen whose names I don't remember mm. um, for Rogue One and Solo. Mm -hmm. And I know when I did my initial draft, like I wasn't quite near that number. I knew we still had captions, but something I had to remind myself of, and my, my editor would remind me in a kind way, is like, this is an art book. And by that, it just meant like the art is the star. I'm the text I write is absolutely important and provides context. Mm -hmm. But if we're a little short, we have plenty of art and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sure enough, by the time I went back and got captions, 
things worked out. And I think it was probably challenging because, you know, they had a rough layout done. Then I go and get captions and the designer has to figure out how to fit those in, mm-hmm. um, which he did brilliantly. But I think the parameter that was, you know, a little less like logistical, but just an overall thing that I challenged with is that it's an art of book. It's not a making of book. And mm-hmm. I'm very curious. I am very, you know, like we talked about very fangirl about Imagineering and I want to know how they do everything, whether mm-hmm. it's, here's how we're coming up with the ride or here's specifically how we aged this one piece of metal really beautifully. (laughs) Um, And I love getting into those details, but this wasn't really the right place for it. There's some overlap, of course, like you have to tell a little bit about the making of the land to get to the art part, but Mm -hmm. I could have added many more (laughs) hours to my interviews had it been a making of book because it's just easy it was a challenge not to just veer off entirely off that cliff and <laughs> go into every, um, and if they ever do make that book, I'm sure whoever, it'd be a million pages long. Mm. <laughs> um, I imagine that, you know, in that position, you know, maybe some of your thought processes on the order of, gee whiz, I should ask these kinds of questions because I don't necessarily know what, I'm, you know, going to include or not. And so I'd rather have more information than less. 100%. I am from my reporting background. Like I'd always rather have more, like it's easy for me to take a transcript and cut down, but Mm -hmm. if it's not there, I really, it's not like I can just make it up. So (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And knowing that, you know, what it takes to schedule all the interviews and of course, knowing that there are going to be follow-ups necessary from time to time, but probably also wanting to imagine limit the number of follow-ups that you have to do necessarily. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like maximize the time that we have and just try try to cover a lot of bases and I guess everybody made themselves very available for follow-ups, largely over Zoom. But I know a few people, I'd be like, let me kind of just email you a quick question mm-hmm. to fact check something or whatever. But yeah, it was just a, I have them here. So let's ask a lot of stuff and it'll, you know, some of it I have a very specific plan for like, it, okay, I know this is going to go in this section and we want to cross these things off my list mm-hmm. to have context about, but we'll see what else we get. Right. And I'm, I'm glad I did that. Definitely. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the fact that there are other art of books that you know are ones for the movies or the most recent one prior to this for The Mandalorian. And we've sort of touched on a little bit about how this one for Galaxy's Edge is different. It's not really a making of. And I would say the art of books for the movies are you know very much a mix of both the art and the making of at the same time. Um, how else would you say the art of Galaxy's Edge differs from a movie style art of book and how is it similar? I, you know, I think the obvious is it's similar as, as far as how it's similar is a lot of the same folks who worked on the films from the Lucasfilm concept art team worked on Galaxy's Edge, which I think is super cool. Mm -hmm. And I think it's incredible that Imagineering recognized like, Hey, Lucasfilm's part of our company. They make some Star Wars. If we're going to make some Star Wars, let's maybe <laughs> let's maybe touch base with them. <laughs> but the big difference, and it was interesting to talk to like Doug and Eric and, and Lucasfilm folks I discussed with, is that 
when you're you're concepting regardless, right? Like you're going blue sky, you're going big, you're not necessarily at that point thinking about practical limitations. Mm-hmm. However, when it does come time to translate those concepts to more of a tangible <laughs> reality is film sets last as long as they need to for filming. Mm. And you can very much um, maximize, I guess, where you point the camera. And uh, yeah. you don't have to like fill out the back of a set because who's going to see it right. unless you want them to. Whereas with Galaxy's Edge, everything is quite permanent, needs to last not only a long time, but needs to last in Florida humidity and heat and mm. California's blazing sun. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. It's going to be seen from 360, and Star Wars fans are going to photograph every possible angle. And so it's not just like, oh, I'm walking by and I'm seeing this part of the Millennium Falcon we haven't seen before really in films. I'm going to take close-up pictures of it. Mm -hmm. So it was cool to hear about just like when it came to thinking about designing the actual spaces, how Doug talked about like having just to consider different factors that they wouldn't normally but I think it's so similar like in that you know Imagineering and and Lucasfilm of course like visited the set of of a few Star Wars films but specifically Rogue One I think about and I look at that art of book and I think of what's in the film as far as the market in Jetta and I very much get those vibes Mm, okay when you go in the market in Galaxy's Edge and Something cool about Imagineering, too, and it's not that they don't do this in film, but it's not really a one-to-one, is that Imagineering goes on research trips. So, like, when they made Cars Land in Disney California Adventure, a bunch of them went on Route 66. Mm. And, like, yeah, it's based on Cars Land is a... <laughs> clear Cars Land is not the name of the movie. Cars is the name of the movie. Well. Clearly, fic- <laughs> clearly fictional. <laughs> since we don't have cars that drive themselves and talk and obviously I don't need to explain that. Right. No, you don't. (laughs) Well, yet, I guess. Yet. So they, you know, traveled route 66 though, to get, you know, those, that was the inspiration for the film too. And they just go and see all as much as they can and pay attention to the details. And they did that for galaxy's edge too, and traveled to places like Istanbul and Casablanca and, with the purpose of like not necessarily seeing the touristy sites, but like looking at uh, like what is this like bunch of wires hanging over here and how is that rigged and what does this alley look like and how does it look aged and what kind of stories have happened here? What kind of not stories, what kind of life has happened here? And for films, they location scout, of course, but I think that's a little different. And Mm -hmm. I think like hearing from, Eric Timmons and I talked a lot about the research trip because Lucasfilm folks went with the Imagineering folks when they did this research. Oh, okay. And he took, I don't know, I think I, over 3,000 photos of that <laughs> So kind of hearing like his enthusiasm about getting to do that part and how that translated and and helped influence his concepts as they went was, you know, that's cool. And that's not something that they really do for a film. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think I read in an interview somewhere where a guide was talking about leading uh, Imagineering folks on a tour like that and was surprised about, you know, I'm trying to show them all the sites and they're busy taking photographs of a random door or something yes. like that. <laughs> like we're looking at the ground and yeah. what these stones look like. Yeah, totally. So the process then, it sounds like there's a, a lot of blue sky stuff, which is great. But then as they start talking about the practicalities of actually implementing the land, then there's you know more design rounds that are grounded in more of a, a reality of the installation then. Is that right? Yeah, they have to actually consider if we're building this, <laughs> what, what works and what doesn't. And one thing that was cool about that is Imagineering went to Pinewood Studios after Rogue One had finished filming and that production design team, you know, was going to be, that's how entertainment works. Like you're kind of like laid off, so to speak, until mm -hmm. the next film comes along. And so they had that production design team rolling off Rogue One and they're like, what if, what, like, what if we go utilize their incredible knowledge and talent? And a couple folks in Imagineering told me how that design team, like, Granted, it's for building sets that are not permanent, but they have architectural skills. Mm -hmm. They can actually make blueprints and bring that sort of just grounded, like, no, we're not building a theme park, but yes, we know how to build things. Like that knowledge to the, to the party. And that was cool to hear about. And I remember Robin Reardon at Imagineering telling me, about and i can't remember the gentleman's name with the rogue one production design team but something that they did in london you know talked about that they very directly like used on the ground later in the park when mm. they were on the construction site so that's kind of where it was like i want to learn all about this especially like tell me please about sculpting <laughs> all of this rock work i am fascinated but that was kind of where it's like okay that's a little making of mm -hmm. and not so much the art of ah goodness well i gotta say if the making of book ever happens um i would definitely want you to be a part of that I, you're saying it would be a million pages long so i don't know if i want to wish it on you but, <laughs> but i think i kind of do <laughs> well i I appreciate that on all counts. You've been very thoughtful <laughs> about my well-being and rooting for me, which well, is very kind. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's both. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I want to pivot away from um, art of and making of for a uh, last couple of questions because the experience of Galaxy's Edge, and I unfortunately have not yet had the opportunity to do so, but from what I've read about it and in conversations with other folks, my understanding is that as you step into Galaxy's Edge, as a person steps into Galaxy's Edge, you're actually stepping into a specific day in the galaxy far, far away. I don't think that's actually been revealed what that day is, but basically it takes place, I gather, in between the events of The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. Um, as far as your writing of the Galaxy's Edge book, do you touch on the story of Galaxy's Edge? Will people learn more about the the story aspect of being in that land and you know how the experience of going there actually fits into the storytelling timeline? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because in my first draft, I remember I like I just had 
been going a lot and spent a lot of time there. So I had that kind of just in my head. I'm like, well, I don't need to, you know, that silly, like, buy sheet where I don't need to explain this. Everyone knows because I've, <laughs> I didn't really <laughs> mention that. And I remember specifically, like, because this book, at least, not all books, they, or all books go to story group, but they go to different people, I think, depending on what kind of book it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pablo looked over this one, and I specifically remember, like, a note somewhere, like, a little comment that was, like, like a very gentle, like, maybe we should explain what the story is. Or, like, it was, like, halfway in the book, and it was the first time I'd mentioned, like, when the story was set between Last Jedi mm. and Rise of Skywalker. He's like, maybe we should move this up. And I'm like... You're totally right, Pablo. <laughs> well, we'll take a note. Because I do, I don't go into that in huge detail, but there is either in the introduction or in the resistance, I don't remember. Um, but there is somewhere <laughs> in the book, like, just enough about, like, okay, this is when it takes place in the sequel trilogy. It's between these two films. And you know, depending on the part of the book, like I definitely reference, you know, Ray as a character who walks around in the park and who was part of Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, the uh, cool attraction, uh, really cool that I actually have not been able to go on in full yet. Mm. And I mentioned Kylo, but I don't get into story a ton. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, and that's perfectly fine, of course. <laughs> Yes, I but it's, I mean, yeah. it is an art of book, so it wouldn't necessarily do that. And I don't imagine, um, I, I, the, it's funny cause I have the old art of books, like the, you know, new hope, um, which wasn't called art of a new hope. It was just called the art of star Wars, of course, and empire and Jedi. And they had the scripts in them and the new ones for the sequel trilogy, they don't. So, um, they are very much you know, about the making of and the art of and only really kind of touch on the story insofar as they have to because they're talking about the, you know, the events on Jeddah or the events on Edu or the events on Scarif, for example, just to pick Rogue One, but they don't actually really delve into story in the same way. So I guess I'm not really surprised to hear that story isn't necessarily the, you know, the largest factor in the book or, you know, I... I don't want to make it sound like I'm being critical by any stretch of the imagination. Like if I say it's not a significant portion of it, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that in a <laughs> matter of volume. Yeah, totally. Like it's there kind of to your point, like when context is necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did revisit. It was a good excuse to revisit all the fiction that's set in Batu, like other stories that happen there. At various points. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you about that, actually, because, of course, um, Delilah Dawson's book, Black Spire, um, and Vi Marathi running around in Batu and actually in the Galaxy's Edge thing as well. Yeah. And it was definitely, you know, of course, I'd been a lot, but I think just to inform me, like on a research front, like in story as well, mm-hmm. I'd read those books, uh, Black Spire and A Crash of Fate by Zoraida Cordova mm-hmm. and also the Galaxy's Edge comics. But mm. it was an excuse to go back and <laughs> <laughs> um, just because I'm like, oh, like it's just because it is such an immersive land. And I think to write about it, even from a out of world, like this is how it was built perspective. It's good to go in with 
but these are some of the things that happen here and the stories that have unfolded, even if they haven't happened in the exact time period like that guests encounter when, when they go to Galaxy's Edge. But I'm all about as, like, <laughs> as much research and information as I can do in the time that I have. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody who reads the art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and has never been to Galaxy's Edge, what would you hope this book uh, does for that kind of person? And I'll ask you the same question also for the person who's already been to Galaxy's Edge. What do you hope this book will provide for that person? Yeah, totally. For the person who's never been, I hope, or maybe doesn't know when they'll get to go, or I've heard from a few people who are like, well, we were going to go last year, but you know, pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that the book helps them feel they just gotta get a taste of the land and get excited for a future visit or just kind of to daydream about a day they might go, but just kind of, it, I think it kind of gives a good overview of what you can expect in the land. Though of course it includes concepts for attractions and shops and things that didn't end up in the final version of galaxy's edge. There's a lot in there that did. And so I hope it's like a cool, like, like, vicarious visit i guess if mm -hmm. you haven't been and for the folks who have already been i hope it just enriches your experience and i hope it enriches or i guess sparks more curiosity or kind of answers some questions you had i know my friend holly fry loves galaxy's edge perhaps i've just out of people i know like has built a ton of droids has multiple like outfits for her that she's made for her and her husband that they were to galaxy's edge cooked every single recipe in the galaxy's edge cookbook uh -huh. like hardcore and she got the book and she's been many times and you know was kind of texting me about getting to see like oh like that would be so cool or like this is an idea they had that's awesome and also the book includes a little bit about galactic star cruiser at the end the upcoming overnight Ooh. star wars experience so she Ooh. was excited to like see that art so i think if you've been a lot i don't i don't think you're gonna be like yeah i know all of this <laughs> or i know this was an idea i think you'll still have the people will still have a lot to enjoy and be surprised by that's terrific i'm i'm not a bit surprised that you managed to pack all of that in into the art of star wars galaxy's edge Amy Ratcliffe, author of many Star Wars books now, including The Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. For anybody who wants to keep up with what you have going on, whether it's Star Wars or Nerdist or any of your other amazing projects going on, where should they be keeping track of you online? Yeah, of course. Folks can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore geek. And I write a newsletter on Substack that's just amyratcliffe.substack.com. And that's about life stuff and book stuff. But... It's really fun for me to write, and those are those are the main places. Got it, and I will make sure to put them in the show notes for this episode as well so people can go check them out. Amy, thank you again so much for joining me on Star Wars 7x7. It's always wonderful to talk with you. Thank you for having me, Alan, and thank you for just being supportive and kind and just awesome all around. <laughs> it's my joy. Thank you. <laughs> And there you go. That's my most recent conversation with Amy Ratcliffe, the author of, I can't say most recently, <laughs> because she had The Kid's Guide to Fandom come out after this book, but this, of course, was a conversation about the art of Star Wars 
Galaxy's Edge. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show as well. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited by their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.